Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another Wednesday briefing. Today is November 23rd, if you're listening to this on the Wednesday that it comes out. And it seems like winter has finally hit us in the north. Um, most parts of the Nordics got a shit ton of snow. Uh, and the east coast of the US as well over the weekend. Uh, I believe in Buffalo, New York, if you saw this, Jeremias, uh, some places got six feet of snow. In one go. Yeah, that's that's a lot. I can definitely see how that would be an issue for people with that amount of snow in one go. Can you like? If, we don't have any snow up here yet. No. No, oh. none. But we have uh, twenty below. Um, no snow. But if it is as the forecast says, we should have snow by the weekend. Which is good. This is this is just a good thing for us. We want all lakes and waterways, waterways and whatnot to freeze rather than having snow, and then the snow causing a problem for everything to freeze because of its insulation, insulating properties. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say to you. Like, isn't that that it's actually a good thing for you because, as you've mentioned before, and you've told me that you want those couple of weeks of freeze so that you get a really good sort of almost like a. a like a base layer, I guess, of of uh, of frost. Yeah, so that you, you get a good uh, core ice. Like if you if you um, cut out a piece of a ice chunk from a lake and you take it up and you sort of look at it as a soil sample, you can see how thick the mm. core ice is. So the first ice that that happened before the temperature shifted, and the the thicker that is, the better. Then you'll have different layers of depending on how the temperatures were and things like that. So just like a soil sample, you can sort of read ice quality. That's interesting. I saw you using your four inch bushcraft blade as a, as a way to measure the thickness of the ice. If it's as thick as the blade is long, then it's safe enough to walk on. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> it's, uh, I mean, there, there, there's definitely more fine tuned rules, uh, than that, <laughs> but just but as, as a, a general, ju- ju- just as a, uh, rule of thumb for myself i can't rec- recommend anyone um you all should do your own sort of um safety research and 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 uh, knowledge gathering and it might come to this but if that's fine i would i would drive out the quad on on the ice as well wow on, on four inches i mean what's that in, in centimeter 10 centimeters roughly yeah. yeah yeah that's fine i mean i think people don't like people underestimate how strong like even a couple of centimeters of, of ice can be yeah for sure. I mean, we were out uh, ice skating. We were out ice skating this weekend as well, and some areas were very thin. But I mean, ice skating—you can you can ice skate if it's four centimeters, and you can ice skate if it's a little bit less. If you're constantly moving, uh, you shouldn't be a group that stands still and jump all at the same time. But um, <laughs> sort of knowing. Knowing what to look out for, knowing how ice feels, knowing uh, all the sort of safety precautions you need to take and not be alone when you're out on ice, is then, then it's possible to go out on thin ice, so to say. I love those. Uh, there's a specific pocket of ice skaters out there, enthusiasts, that like to skate particularly on thin ice because... I don't know, maybe they're able to go really fast across it or something. I don't know what the specifics, but the sound of the ice on when you skate on thin ice is is pretty cool. It's kind of like a ghostly echo. 
Have you ever seen those videos of the guys skating on? Yeah, but that's just the sound the ice makes when it settles. Oh, okay. Right. Like now, like when I'm out working in the yard or, or doing something, you hear that like big echoing or the big uh, space space sounds like woo, 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 mm. woo, woo, woo type yeah, of sounds yeah. all of a sudden. And that's just eyes moving and settling. So creepy, man. It's very cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's such. I love this part of the year. It's like just just really get starting to get into that, you know, mindset of all right, here we go in for the in for the winter you know kind of mode you know i think the last we've spoken about on the show the last few months between those sort of autumnal months they tend to be a bit slow on well at least on my brain but once this sort of weather comes i really feel like it's time to start having some fun yeah i mean i wasn't sure winter was gonna come this year because the cold degrees were very late but here they are yeah and how um how is because i know you and jamie are doing a course is that in january or february or in uh, february and it's together right. with a guy called adam as well mm-hmm. um it's looking quite good I, I know that there are a few spots left um mm-hmm. and it's through how bushcraft so so jamie and adam are coming up here to host a course or to run a course which han and i are hosting here uh, and we're of course going to help out and and be part of it and and um, do some things, but they are the ones sort of being in charge, leading the leading the show, so to speak. That's cool. Where can so people can get? There's a few spaces left at Hal Bushcraft. Yes, exactly. It's uh, at Hal Bushcraft's website. You can contact Jamie uh, directly and get all the information that you need. You could contact me or. Adam uh, a woodsman on, on Instagram as well, but we would most mm-hmm. likely just refer you to Jamie because he's the he's the brain sort of he's the brain one he's the brain man. Um, that's cool. I mean, it sounds like a really fun course. And what's the the, the yeah. Adam's background then? Oh, Adam is a super interesting guy. I've never met this this guy, but he uh, I I realized that the first time I spoke to him that I've been following him on his him on instagram uh for some time and uh he's been spending two winters Uh, i might i might uh do him uh the service here it might be more uh but at least two winters together with um uh lure of the north Mm, uh, okay company in canada that does Mm -hmm. a lot of traditional uh winter camping and winter expeditions nice and uh kylie kylie uh, I don't know how to pronounce her name. She was in Alone as well. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I can't really remember how, how she did, but I mean, just to get to that point of being in Alone, you have to have a good set of, of uh, skills. But So he's, spent, he's been spending quite a lot of time there, which is very cool because it's a type of, um, how do you put it? Like the uh, word bushcraft is, so, of course, super, super big and, and that sort of more traditional based, north american version of winter camping is something that i've uh, only seen on videos or photos or read about but not really had any hands-on experience with so it's going to be really interesting to pick his brain about that that's very cool yeah i mean it sounds like it would be a a nice combination of uh those Amer- north american skills uh or sort of like yeah north american skills and then the, the nordic scandinavian skills kind of uh coming together um yeah Last week's episode with Charlie Walker, I mean, 
just to recap around to it because it's probably one of the, my most favorite episodes I've done. Uh, really, really enjoyed talking to Charlie because, as as I had mentioned in the episode, I had read his books prior to well, quite a while ago actually, when I kind of got started getting seriously into the cycling thing, and of course because of his huge trip around around uh, the world. I got turned on to his uh, his books on, about his trip, and I don't know. For I just really liked to talk to him, and for whatever reason, I think it's maybe because he's like a similar age to us, or pretty much the same age as us. I feel like he's kind of more relatable to me than maybe some of the older guys or some of the, you know, some of the more experienced guys. Because not not to say that he's not experienced, but right that he kind of like is very honest about like how inexperienced he was when he started. For me, that was kind of like a um, Quite encouraging, you know, to kind of know where you stand or where you sit on a kind of a spectrum and be totally aware of that. And then you kind of have to do it anyway, even though you know that you're inexperienced, not with trusting that you will get better at it as you go. And I really like that sort of mentality with things, you know, that sort of not quite having your toes touch the bottom, a kind of certain level of uncomfortability and inexperience, but not too far out of your comfort zone that it's dangerous, but enough that it's challenging. And I feel like Charlie feels like the epitome of that. And I, and I, and it really kind of resonates with me, his, um, his mentality and his kind of style of things. Yeah. I really like that as well of just what it seems like the attitude of just doing it, going for it rather than overcomplicating it or overthinking it. Like he was talking about the mountain mm-hmm. bike that he had or the first bike that he had, just some, Right, old Jeff. Yeah, so just, 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 just some. I'm doing air quotes here now, but like just some random thing on two wheels that it was gonna take him yeah. to X place. It's sort of I really like that mentality of of doing good with what you have. Not 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 everything has to be uh, extra, if you will. If you have the possibility, there's nothing wrong with that. But just to start out, like it's sort of a testament of these things that we're saying, like. To start out, the equipment or brands that you have does not have to define your adventure. You actually going out and spending money on that rather than buying X, Y, and Z is what's going to be the sort of catalyst to everything rather than having the right equipment beforehand. Definitely. And I think, yeah, there's a a balance there because on one hand, as we always say, like the right tool for the right job, but then... On the other hand, it's like it can become such a crippling the anxiety of not knowing if you've got if you've bought the right equipment or that if you're the 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 tires. I mean, I'm talking specifically about bikes here for whatever reason, but like maybe they're not the right thickness of tires, or maybe does it need suspension forks, or maybe you know is this bike going to be up to the task? And do I know enough about how to repair the thing or like change the wheel if I have to and I think some of those things can only be solved by getting out on the track. Again, like that's if if you if anybody's read his books, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. He bought his bike basically secondhand. I, as far as I know, there was very little research put into it, and even on the track, on the trail, and you see this as well. I think we might have mentioned it before with like hill walkers and things. If you if you have all the right gear and you've got the right walking poles and you've got the right Gore-Tex jacket and you look the part. And like, you feel like people are going to take you more seriously. But if you're just like kind of traipsing up a hill with a pair of, you know, 
old kind of board shorts and a you know whatever a, a hoodie that you've had since you were in college for whatever reason that's like less uh legit legit yeah and i think charlie's a testament to you don't have to have all the right shit to be considered uh legitimate you know or legit right in your sort exactly. of adventures yeah. let your let your um let your adventures in in itself speak for for uh, you as a person rather than the uh, accumulation of stuff that you have exactly exactly and it can be so stifling but didn't yeah. you have um, a sort of um, check with reality this weekend you went out on a bike pa- bike packing trip with a friend of yours yeah yeah i went out with andre who was uh, one of our patreons and a follower of the show and we actually met through i think he might have been following the podcast and that's how we ended up meeting or the other way around i can't remember but we don't know each other that long but he is uh and i would recommend to anybody that wants to get into like a specific sport or a specific sort of endeavor that's kind of has its own set of sort of criteria or kind of understanding is find someone locally or maybe in your country or someone in your maybe county or whatever that is experienced and that will you know you can tag along with um which is kind of what i did with andre because he's been he's been cycling for years he's been bikepacking around the world in like sierra nevada and kind of all sorts of places so i felt super comfy being with him um and yeah like you said it was it was a bit of a reality check in the sense that uh well I got pushed out of my comfort zone. I got pushed into a space that probably I wouldn't have maybe gone for myself, which was kind of nice, but knowing that I was with someone who was experienced. So the, the intervals between those, the, the, the steepness of the, uh, the hills, both climbing them and descending them was, was kind of terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. particularly downhill, like, you know, like off road, single track true forests lots of roots lots of rocks on a downhill with a fully loaded backpack bike packer uh sorry bike was definitely um new experiences for me and it beat the shit out of my kit because some of my kit wasn't built for purpose which is fine because i didn't spend a bunch of extra money on them on the pieces of kit they were just dry bags that i had from my regular kind of camping there were just mm-hmm. some sail nylon dry bags, but I had them strapped to the sides of my forks and because of the material and because I hadn't tightened them down tight enough, they very quickly tore and yeah, they weren't, they weren't up to the task, but, but I wasn't, I wasn't super pissed about it because it wasn't as if I had gone out and spent a bunch of money on whatever specific bike packing fork bags now the argument could be made that if i did go out and buy them that maybe they wouldn't have torn and broken um but yeah if that's what you mean by reality check then for sure yeah exactly i mean you you can always make the case for that it's not worth buying it or it's worth buying it but at at the same time like you could have had a hunch that this could have happened and you could have spent the money on the the uh packs the front mm-hmm. and then might not have been able to go on the trip right right exactly so it, it, it's 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 always that it is always that balance of of uh, uh 
of not letting kit and equipment take over uh, the sort of financial possibility mm-hmm. to actually get out there. And there is a slight envy, isn't there? And But I remember this exact same thing being the exact same way when I got into camping and bushcraft. And nowadays my kit is, I feel like it's pretty much refined to, I don't buy stuff anymore. I walk into, you know, the local outdoor store and I walk around the aisles and I'm thinking, why the hell am I here? I don't need anything. I just, I'm literally completely fine with everything I have. But that's taken however many years to refine that kind of set up the the right tent, the right sleeping bag for each season, the right adding for under my sleeping bag at nighttime, the right clothing, the right kind of cooking kit. All of that stuff is has been completely refined now. And it's quite funny being in a new space where those feelings of sort of envy, not envy, but sort of like, oh, that's I really want that, you know, front rack or I really want those. I right. feel like my my right. adventures could be even more fun if I had that thing. And but I know for a fact that that thing that wanes when you get into when you get deep into something, when the learning starts to become the interesting part about it, the the ability to sort of rack up the knowledge in your own brain and your 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 ability to use the tools that you have smartly. For me, with the outdoors and bushcraft, that's the stuff these days that really excites me. And I'm hoping that that's going to be the case with cycling, that I don't get this sort of, you know, it's, it's. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I, I fully hear you. One thing um, now with seal nylon uh, dry bags, this might not be the easiest uh, whatsoever. One argument you could make for not getting the expensive things if you're not planning on doing a longer expedition and, and have racked up some hours and some experience beforehand is to keep running with the cheaper ones but also work on skills to mend mm-hmm. and repair cheap stuff or you know no name brand mm-hmm. stuff until the point where you're going on this longer expedition and you need to rely on something for a little bit longer then you've both been able to save money being able to go out on trips because you're not spending money on those for example front rack bags or whatever it might be and you're also learning the process of repairing and mending so that when you do go out on that long trip, it might have those more expensive bags. Nothing is bomb-proof to the point where it cannot fail. And thinking that your kit cannot fail because of X, Y, and Z, you bought this for this much or it's this brand. If When, when something happens, I should say, it's going to suck if you don't really know how to deal with broken equipment when you're out Definitely. there. Definitely. And I think you're absolutely right, because when you do buy the the kind of no-name stuff and you do have to work your way up and you do have to learn how to stitch things back together and you have to learn how to do A, B, and C, that when you do get the expensive stuff, you're hoping that it's not going to break. But if it does break, then you you have the skills to fix them, as opposed to the other way around, where if you go straight for the expensive stuff and you're kind of like solely relying on the fact that the piece of equipment was expensive, or your kind of trust in it. And as we all know, how often does somebody, do you buy something or you've seen someone buy some really expensive piece of kit that they think, I can't wait to try this out when we get out next weekend, such and such. And then they try and put it up or they realize that there's a part missing or that it's broken or that there's something that they haven't planned for because this novelty of having a new kit is actually 
has now become the problem as opposed to something breaking, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I find these things so interesting. I find it, it's, it's a lot of fun to talk to and I really hope it's, I know it, 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 it is quite nagging cause I feel like I, I keep coming back to these things, but for me it is, it is extremely important that we get a, if we, if we want to be in the outdoors and promote the outdoor space and nature and uh, sort of some sort of awareness of our surroundings and things like that, all of it ties together of being a part of a landscape. It, it is to also look at your equipment, look at your equipment use, what you buy, how you repair, how long do you actually wear something before you want to trade it out you know all of these things it's it's all coming together as part of being a person that cares about the local environment that you live in really interesting and it's always fun when you can tr- when the, your learnings from one kind of skill set or aspect of the outdoors re- and learn like inform a newer endeavor or that goes for anything in life really but i definitely see as an immature cyclist or bike packer some of the things that I was thinking about when I got into bushcraft that I've now since resolved mentally or thought about, I think are ridiculous now. And it's quite interesting to see those things, the same person, different endeavor and the same habits start forming in your brain. I would love to buy that. Arma is, is the thing, the thing I already own good enough to do the thing that I want to do. Is it going to be fun if I, it's the same, it's the exact same questions and nags that i had when i got into bushcraft and it's really interesting to see them creep up again and to be able to recognize them and sort of uh, nip nip them in the bud so to speak i mean it is superhuman it is superhuman to want what other people want uh have and think that um if i just get this thing it's gonna solve this problem it is and it is this is not about uh shaming anyone or saying that that it's wrong to do it in in a different way and things like that it's just they should be done more thoughtfully if it is that the outdoors is what you are into not equipment if you're into equipment that's a completely different thing sure. you can be into both you can be a little bit, you can be both, a bit yeah. you can, exactly right and and look don't get me wrong because it's it's not like i'm speaking from a place of purity it's not like i hand built a bike from old parts or anything oh no i'm not i'm not even close to being being that type of person either so i'm 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 i, I know that i'm just as much of a hypocrite as <laughs> as you are but it's and, a, it, yeah. speaking of these things right but it's just an observation isn't it, of your own i mean i've got a brand new like you know, drop our mountain bike, you know, so it's by no means am I saying that I went out and sort of thrifted this thing at all, but the, but the subsequent kit that you've required afterwards, if you can, I I think of like, let's say the bike is, is kind of like how is like your backpack. It's like the, the core thing that you need on with you to start. It's like, okay, now I need a tarp. Now I need a sleeping bag. Now I need a good pair of boots. Now I need a a knife and an axe and a saw and, and the list goes a power cord and the list goes on and on and on and it's the exact same thing with with the bike it's like okay i bought this cool bike right now i need side racks now i need a front loading sort of dry bag thing for my sleeping bag now i need a you know all of these things like should i buy better bigger tires should i get yeah it's just it just the list goes on and on it's never ending right it's 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 a little bit more of a reality check for ourselves to remind us like you know 
the importance of of uh, all of these activities is to actually be out rather than buying equipment. So it's easier to preach to someone else than it is to do it yourself. As with any, anything in life, like I'm full of good life advice that I'm not gonna follow. <laughs> yeah, right. The same. Yeah, it's like do what I say, not what I do. Exactly, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. But um, just to kind of come back around to Charlie's episode, because we're kind of getting close to the time now. And um, I wanted to reference, I had a, a comment on Instagram from uh, Frederick. Uh, I don't know how to say his second name. I'm going to say it's Whites, W-U-Y-T-S. I hope you said your name right, Frederick. Um, but he said that Charles' walk across Siberia reminded him of a book called From Paris to New York by Land. Uh, as about a guy named Harry DeWint who wanted to see if it was possible to connect the two by rail. And it looks like a super interesting uh, journey he had. Uh, he died in 1933, so it's quite an old uh, explorer, uh, uh, you know, explorer. Um, but it's kind of that golden age of exploration around the time that we have been talking about with the likes of Rasmussen and Shackleton and Peter Freuchen and things. And I was thinking about maybe there's a there's a section within Trouble Fire that we haven't touched upon yet, surprisingly, which is sort of the golden age of exploration. I wonder is there like a series in that or a couple of episodes that we could we could talk about some of those kind of explorers because the conversation we had with with Charlie was, you know, the role of explorers in the twenty first century, how different it is to maybe what the uh what the role was back then that sort of flag planting um, mapping was and, and and documenting and researching was kind of the main goals back then and it's a super interesting point in history and i think it could be a definitely an area that we could explore a little bit more for sure for sure and i mean there's a lot of the traditional camping equipment so to say that um stems from from that area and a lot of the uh, the aesthetics that stems from that area that is very uh very prevalent in the bushcraft community definitely definitely i think there's a huge influence there their stories are fascinating their uh, their diaries and their journals and their equipment and the the times that they that these people were exploring are, is is really really fascinating to me i've kind of read a bunch of books one of them if you've known, if you know, uh, Mountains of the Mind by, um, oh God, I can't remember his name now. It's going to come to me as soon as I finish this episode. But look up Mountains of the Mind if anybody's interested. It's a little bit about our fascination about mountains throughout history and how they've sort of shaped our brains and thoughts about exploration and flag planting and all this. And if anybody has any ideas around some of the explorers that we could look at that maybe I didn't mention there, absolutely let me know. I'd love to do a maybe we could do like a two-parter on yeah not like 20th century explorers or something and the role that they had yeah but one last thing before we finish uh you sir have um designed a fantastic looking blanket oh thanks man that is uh up for grabs on on uh, voided yes i guess yeah so if uh if if anyone um that's listening is still trying to figure out what to get that special someone or anyone that you know that you particularly like and want to stay warm this this uh, cold winter go to porex uh, instagram and 
have a look at the blankets that he's designed. They look really, really cool. Thanks, man. I'm glad you liked them. Thanks for mentioning it. Uh, yeah, it was a Voided are a blanket company. They make, they also do ponchos and things like that. And I approached them about six months ago, seeing if they wanted to do a series of blankets based on sort of traditional Nordic patterns and things like that. So that's where they came from. But yeah, no, it was a super fun project. So if you're, if anybody's interested, yes, absolutely. As Jeremy said, you can find them on voided.com. And yeah, I think before we wrap up, just a quick note up on the Patreon stuff for people who are wondering. I believe Jeremy is and I are going to really finally finish the Axe Knowledge Hub episodes next week. Yes. I believe, if all goes well. Yes, for sure. Um, that has been a really fun one and we've let that one slip a little bit. So apologies for that. But if you're interested in getting sort of a deep dive, two hours info about axes and their uses in bushcraft, as well as I think we, we did a series on uh, knives as well. Um, they come with detailed PDF cheat sheets, um, a whole personal bunch of anecdotes, personal anecdotes, a whole bunch of stuff in there. Um, head over to Patreon and support the show if you can. It's at patreon.com forward slash trial by fire podcast. And I believe when we hit 20 followers on there, we're pretty close to that. We are going to raffle off either an axe or a knife. I haven't decided which yet, um, but it will be one from the personal collection and I'll choose a nice one. Um, but we have to hit 20 followers before we do that. And anybody that's on our Patreon will be in with a chance to win whatever we uh, decide to raffle off. And I think when we hit 50, we'll do something real nice. Maybe maybe an axe and a knife. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe a nice backpack or something. But um, yeah, so get over there and help us keep this show floating. Really appreciate it. Um, any little bit you can do to help us. And of course, you get all that free stuff yourself as well. So, Or not free, but you get all the, the extra content um, on there as well. So yeah, um, I hope everybody has a great week. We'll be back next week. I believe we have a nice interview lined up. I won't say it yet until we confirm it, but I think it's going to be quite a relevant uh, and informative docu- um, interview discussion for this these uh times that we are in and the times that are coming as someone yeah. famous saying i think <laughs> no the times, <laughs> the are, times changing. They are changing that's, that's right <laughs> don't yeah, ask we'll me work. about quoting music anymore we'll end with a bob dylan quote <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right guys have a great week and thanks for listening and yeah if you guys have any recommendations on famous explorers the 19th to 20th century that we can look into please let us know and go follow us on patreon yep have a good one have a good one